Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, here, Bible Jakes here. This is That's Word Ministries. And you've tuned in to the Bible Speaks Live Hot Topic Tuesday. We pray that all is well with you once again as we open up the Word of God. Tonight, we're going to be speaking about that wretched man moment. Have you heard of the wretched man moment? I'm going to be asking the question, have you had yours? Amen. Have you had the wretched man moment? Now, it may be a question you never heard before, but it's a question that is most important and most vital to every single Christian. Amen. And so we're going to get into that to that tonight. Uh, we pray that you will grab your Bible, grab your smart device and and get ready to get into the word of God tonight as we discuss this most important topic. We're going to see where the Lord is going to take us tonight. Amen. We exist to give glory to God and we bless him and thank him once again that uh, uh, that he's given us, this opp- given us this opportunity to open up his word. We're glad that you are with us. Uh, if you are with us right now, we ask that you share this page out, uh, that others also may be blessed. We always want to uh, we always want to ensure that as many as possible are able to hear this life-changing message uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we are honored and blessed that you have taken this time. But whether you're watching us live or whether you're watching us on the replay, uh, we pray that your time spent in God's word at this time will be a fruitful one. Uh, indeed. God bless you, my brother Frank and Ava. God bless you, Tracy T. God bless you, my brother Thomas. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. Amen. We are going to pray and we're going to get right into the word of God. Amen. Lord, we bless you. And as always, we thank you once again for giving us this opportunity uh, to open up your word. Uh, Lord, words fail us when we begin to try to think of uh, all the ways in which you have, uh, all the things that you have been to us, Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, we are truly at a loss for words. But Lord, we thank you once again uh, that you have given us life and you have given us your word. And Lord, now as we open up your word, Lord, we pray to you give us clarity of mind as your word does go forth. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might anoint the ears of those under the sound of your word tonight. Lord, we want you to have your way and your way alone. So, Lord, bless us, keep us, hold us in the hollow of your hand. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Alrighty. This is a very, uh, this question, uh, this question uh, is a very pivotal question because this question that we're asking tonight has everything to do with how you and I go about living this life. And if you and I uh, want to live this Christian life properly, and we, we know we know all the P's and Q's, so to speak. We know that we're supposed to read our Bibles. We know that we are supposed to pray. We know that we are supposed to uh, go to our houses of worship, to church. We know that when we get there, we should worship the Lord and praise the Lord. Uh, we know that we should listen to Christian music uh, exclusively, pretty much. Let me say that. Uh, we, we know all the, the right things to do as it pertains to the Christian life. But having said all of that, how do you live the Christian life? How do you do it? Now, tonight we're going to be talking about just how we go about living this Christian life. Uh, it may be lost on some. It, it may be something that sometimes sometimes it's something that we need to 
constantly go over. You want to say review. You want to say uh, go over again. It, it, we can never talk about how to live the Christian life enough. Okay, and, and that's what we're going to be getting into. But in order for you or I to get to that place where we realize uh, that the message of the cross that we speak about is not just words. Uh, it, it, it's not just a phrase. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's how we go about living this life. And in order for in order for this reality to take place, there needs to be, in many cases, a wretched man moment. Amen? A wretched man moment. I want to go to where we find this phrase. I want to go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. And we're going to read two verses. Two verses uh, in Romans uh, chapter number 7. Amen? Now, understand, understand that when Paul makes this statement, he has just finished speaking about his own personal struggle with sin. Paul is not referring to, and we, we're not going to take the time to read all of these verses. I'm sure many of us are many uh, are quite familiar with uh, Romans chapter 7. Uh, but Paul is not speaking of his life before Christ here. When he says the things that I the things that I do, well, well, I'm talking about it, and I said I wasn't going to read it, but you know what? Let me go there. Let me go there and read uh, at least this portion uh, of Romans chapter seven, uh, even before we get to the verses that uh, we really want to get to. Okay, uh, verse uh, starting in verse uh, Romans chapter number seven, uh, starting in. Verse number 15. Romans chapter 7. Let's start at verse number 15. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. This is the Christian conundrum. This, this is us. This is you. This is me. I'm a Christian. I don't want to sin, but yet I find myself sinning. And I know that it's sin. What's the problem? Why do I keep sinning if I'm a Christian? If I'm in Christ, if his spirit is in me, why do I continue to sin? There's a struggle there that he is talking about. He says, verse number 16, If then I do that which I would not, if I continue to do what I don't want to do, I consent unto the law uh, that is that it is good. In other words, the, the, the law is work the law is doing what it's supposed to do really the law tells you that you can't keep you can't keep law that's what law was there for law was meant to send you straight to Jesus that's what law that what that's what the law was about verse number 12 verse number 17 now then it is no more I that do it but sin that dwells in me now what Paul is not saying here is not my fault Okay, many read that and Paul is saying, and it seems as if Paul is saying, this is not my fault. I can't help it. This is too much for me. That, that's not quite, that's not quite what he is saying here. What he is saying here that it is it is uh it, it is the sin nature in him. He is being dominated by the sin nature. Okay, he is being dominated by the sin nature, and he is a Christian. He said, It is no longer I, but sin. The sin nature. And what does the sin nature do? Do The sin nature generates sin. 
The sin nature, it, it's like a sin machine. It just, it just pumps out sin. That's all the sin nature wants to do. It wants to sin. Okay? Uh, and so, it is no, it is now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. 18. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Talking about the flesh. Those that are in the flesh. Romans chapter 8. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I want to do the right thing. It's in me to do the right thing. I have the Spirit of God in me now, so I can do the right thing. But how do I go about doing what I know I should do? That's what he's saying. How do I do what I know that I should do? How do I stop? How do I keep myself from from, uh, not doing what I don't want to do? This is what he is talking about. Verse number 19. For the good that I would, I do not. Once again, the good that I want to do, it's not happening. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. The evil, the wrong, the things that I know better, I continue to do, but I don't want to do them. Okay? Now, verse number 20. If I do that, if now, if I do that, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin. The sin nature. Okay? The sin nature. Because Paul had placed himself under the law. Because Paul uh, was intending to try and keep the, the, to be righteous by keeping the law. By doing and doing and doing. Now, pretty much what Paul, what Paul has understood, now that I'm saved, now... I can keep the law. Now I can now I can really keep it. He found out no. He he still could not do that which he knew that he should do. Because once you give once you allow yourself to say, I can do it, the sin nature rises up. Once you say, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this and this and this, the sin nature comes up. And so he, that's why Paul says here, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin nature dwelleth in me. Once again, he is not putting, he is not taking the responsibility. He is not saying, this is not my fault. I, I can't, it's not me. It's, I can't help it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the sin nature is now dominating me. Okay? The sin nature is calling the shots. Verse number 21. I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. Okay, now let's go down to verse number 24. So now we see Paul's struggle. We see Paul's struggle and Paul's struggle is not unlike the struggle of Christians everywhere. Okay, it is not unlike the, if if they're honest, if we're honest, you and I have had or do have the same struggle. And it is this particular struggle uh, throughout a Christian's li- a Christian's life, I do believe it will come up from time to time. Even when you even when you think you un- understand the cross, the message of the cross, uh, a- a- as we as we phrase it, even when you know that your faith should be in Christ and Christ alone, once again the enemy still comes. Your sin nature is still there. Your sin nature is never dead. Your sin nature is never dead. But what? What faith in Christ does 
is subdue. When you got saved, your sin nature became dormant. Not dead. Not non-existent. Your sin nature became dormant. Because the Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you. Okay? And, and the Holy Spirit now is the one, as you, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit should be the one who now dominates your life. He directs. He leads. Okay? But once again, when you begin to rely on the things that you do to bring you to that place of, of righteousness, I'm going to keep on doing this a whole lot. If I keep the, That's when the sin nature will creep up. That's what happens. And so verse number 24, we see Paul in a state of desperation, describing his describing his life in Christ before he came to the knowledge of the necessity of keeping your eyes on Jesus alone. He says in verse number 24, "O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So so what Paul is saying here, and I want to try to break down this verse so we can uh, understand it fully. When Paul is calling himself wretched, when he is calling himself wretched, even this, this first phrase here, O wretched man that I am. I read from the King James Version, uh, but I checked I checked several other different versions. And you can, whatever version you're reading right now, you can check and you will see that there is probably an exclamation point at the end. Now, the exclamation points and all of the punctuation uh, marks that we see in Scripture were added by the translators. Some of the words were together because they wanted to conserve space, but... Uh, the spacing and the punctuation marks were put in. Now, how would they know to put an exclamation point here? There's not many times, there's not a whole lot of times in Scripture where you see an exclamation point. There are, there, there are I've seen them, but there are few and far between exclamation points in, scriptures, in, in Scripture. Why would the translators, who I believe obviously were working under the inspiration of the, of, of the Holy Spirit, why would they insert an exclamation point here? Because I believe that even, even they could sense the desperation in Paul's statement. After having read uh, chapter number 7, and they come to this point right here where he says, Oh, wretched man that I am! Exclamation point. This is Paul, and once, once again, we were not there. We don't know the we don't know the inflection, but I, I somehow I somehow sense that as Paul is writing this, if he if he were speaking, if he were speaking, and we heard him say these words, it would be oh wretched man that I am, because this was a, he was in a he was in a, a a a terrible state here, oh wretched man that I am describing describing the struggle against sin in his own life. And where it took him, and where it brought him, and and it, and it almost it almost seems like as you read these verses, it almost seems like Paul is 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 confused. It seems as if he's confused. I do the things that I don't want to do, but I, if I do the things, he he doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't understand until when you read these words, "O wretched man uh, that I am." He's calling himself miserable. 
He's calling himself afflicted. He's calling, uh, he's calling himself distressed. These are, these are hard words that he is using uh, uh, to describe himself and his plight. And yes, my brother Thomas, it's a place that no believer, no true believer wants to be in this place. Not at all. Not at all. It is, it is a miserable it is a miserable existence for a Christian not to be able to control his own desires, in a sense. And once again, when I say desires, it always it always seems as if we're talking about sexual or anything like that. Just not to be able to, to be in control of what they say or what they do. And, and sin just having a dominating presence in the life. That's not the way the Christian is supposed to be living his or her life. Under domination. To the sin nature, okay? That is not the way it should be. And so this, this word wretched carries with it the idea of someone who is exhausted from labor. Someone who is exhausted from labor. And Paul is basically, he is exasperated. He is frustrated. Uh, he would say if he was speaking our language, I can't get this right. The more I try to do right, the more he already said, when I try to do right, evil is right there. The more I try to do right, wrong is right there. I can't get this thing right. That's where Paul, that's where Paul is. That's exactly where Paul is. Uh, when we read, when we read Jesus' words uh, to the Pharisees uh, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, when he says, come unto me, all you that labor, He's talking about this same idea, this thought of, of trying to do to be. Trying to do in order to be. Do and do and do and do because I am and because I can, I will keep doing more and more and more. When is, when is enough enough? When have you done enough? How much do you have to do for God to say, okay, good job, you don't have to do anymore. When does that point come? Well, that point will never come. If that is how you are operating in your Christian life, the more that I do, the more I'm pleasing God, the more that I run, uh, the more that he's... Mm -mm. No, that's that's not the way that we are supposed to be going about living uh, the Christian life. Okay? So Paul is, Paul is, in essence, he's worn out. And that's why, once again, Jesus' words to the Pharisees, and to all who are listening in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Um, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden with what? Heavy laden. You, you got a burden on your back, on your shoulders. You're trying to do and do and do and do. And it's too much and you can't do it. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Jesus pointing the people to himself. I, me, I will give you rest. You can't give yourself rest, okay? You, you you won't be able to do it, okay? And so this, when Paul is talking about uh, this 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 wretched man that I am, it 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 is really a heart rendering cry. It, he's crying out, "Help!" Have you ever got to that point in your life where you just said, "Help," where even your your prayers were you you couldn't even probably pray right, and all you had in you was help. That's all Paul has here. He says, who? He says, who? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it for me? Who? And, and notice now, when he says who, 
He has now taken his attention from himself. He's been talking about himself and his plight throughout this chapter, chapter 6 and chapter 7 pretty much. Uh, and now he says, who? Now he realizes that it's someone outside of himself that is going to do what needs to be done in him. He can't do it. Okay? He can't will himself to do what he knows that he should do. Who is going to, uh, who is going to, he says, deliver me from the body of this death? Who? Listen, legalism is always going to have an effect on a life. Legalism. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Okay? Uh, and, and what legalism will do, legalism is going to bring you face to face. You will find. In time, if you get caught up into legalism, legalism is going to bring you face to face with your own wretchedness. That's what happened to Paul. He was brought face to face with his own wretchedness. He didn't realize it at first when he was trying to do and trying to be. But at, over the per a period of time, he realized this is something that I can't do. I cannot make it happen. What am I going? What am I going to do? Okay. What am I going to do? And so he says, he says, who? He says, who is going to, who is going to deliver me? Who is going to deliver me? Who is going to, uh, who is going to rescue me from the state that I am in? That's what the word deliver means, to rescue. Okay, this is a word that was used of a soldier uh, pulling one of his comrades out of the battle. That that's what that that's what that word deliver. Uh, that that's the picture that we see a, a a soldier pulling one of his fellow soldiers out of the battle, rescuing him, stopping him from being hurt or from being hurt again or being hurt further. That's the idea behind to be uh, when he's talking about deliver me from the body of this death. Okay. Deliver me, okay? Now, when we look at it this way, okay, we, we haven't, we, we, from everything that we've said so far, we, we've been defined, we, we, we haven't truly defined the wretched man moment. And, and I'm sure that each one of us would probably have a different, maybe a different rendering of a meaning for the wretched man moment. Uh, as I got along with God a few hours later, a few hours, uh, a few hours ago, um, he, he, here is a definition. Here's a definition uh, that I was able to come up with. What is what is the wretched man moment? And by man, person, wretched person, male or female, what is the wretched man moment? The wretched man moment is that state of being where you come to the end of yourself. Where you come to the end of yourself. That, that, is, that is quite simple. You have come to the end of yourself. That's it. That's it. Now, so what Paul, and we're going to go back to that definition in a bit. But what, when Paul is talking about deliver me, what he is saying is, I want victory. I need victory over sin. This is what he's crying out for. I'm being dominated by sin in my life. 
I'm doing things that I don't want to do, and I don't really know why. I don't, I, why? I'm being dominated by the sin nature. What does victory over sin mean? Now we've defined, we've defined what the wretched man moment is, and, and, and basically for the Christian, it's, it's, for the Christian, it's a spiritual bottom. It's a spiritual bottom. Okay? But when we talk about victory over sin, and we talk about victory over sin a lot, what what does it mean to, to have victory over sin? I also penned these words earlier in the day. It means not being dominated or constantly under the influence of sin and the sin nature. The sin nature... The, Sin is what comes from this in nature. It means not being dominated by or constantly under the influence of sin and the sin nature to the point of frustration, exasperation, and despair. Not being dominated by sin and the sin nature to a point of uh, frustration, exasperation, and despair. Yet, yet, if one is truly desirous of living free from sin's domination, the frustration, the exasperation, the despair can lead to desperation, which can lead to revelation. And that revelation is of the cross. That revelation is how to actually live the Christian life. Now, let me make this statement that you've heard, probably heard me if you've, if you've listened or watched. Having victory over the sin nature does not in any way indicate the presence of sin is no longer active in your life. Victory over the sin nature means not being, in simpler terms, not being dominated by the sin nature. Not being dominated. It is not, uh, it is not sinless perfection. Oh, I have victory over sin. I don't sin anymore. No, you're lying. That, that's not what is going on when we talk about victory over sin. Okay, no, 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 no. The sin nature is ever present. I'm sorry. It's there. It's there. And you and I will sin. That's not an excuse. It's not a license. You and I have a sin nature and it's it's going to erupt at times. There are times when you will be in the flesh. There are times where your carnal man will arise. For whatever reason, we are still living in these corrupted moral bodies and we will sin but sin shall not have dominion sin shall not be your master paul was living such a life that we read about in romans chapter 7 where sin was domineering over him the things that i want to do i don't do when i, I he was being dominated by sin. Sin was telling him, the sin nature was telling him what to do and what not to do. 
and he got to a point of desperation. Now, why do I make the statement? Why do I make the statement if one is truly desirous? If you're a Christian, obviously, if you're truly a Christian, you should desire to live right, be right, act right. If you are truly a Christian, correct? Yes. However, we find Christians in various states of growth. Yes, the normative is that every Christian should be looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. Every Christian should be seeking to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. But all Christians, and I'm not talking about I'm, I'm ta every single Christian, I'm talking about true Christians, people that are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Okay, that's the only way that a person can be a Christian. Not everyone is at the same place, spiritually speaking. Yes, there is a, a desire to please God, but some are more carnal than others. And so let me give you four, at least four reasons. There may be more. But let me give you at least four reasons why I use the phrase, if that particular Christian is truly desirous. Number one, because simply, and this should not be the case, but if you've been around as long as I've been around, this is the case, okay? Because not everyone is serious about their walk. They're Christians. They're Christians. What can I say? They are Christians. They may be in a backslidden state. The, 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 they may be very carnal, but not every Christian is serious. And let me put it this way. As serious as they should be about their walk. Maybe that's a better way to word it. Not every Christian is as serious as they should be concerning their walk with the Lord. Okay? That's one reason why I say, if they're truly desirous, they will, they will want to be free from sin. Number two, some Christians deny their wretchedness. And denying your wretchedness, denying that you are falling, and you are falling good and plenty, will lead to self-righteousness. Once again, you're trying to make it happen yourself. No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, I'm good, I'm good. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I can make it happen. I can, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Okay? And yes, sometimes Christians use scripture to mask the fact that they are really failing. Okay? Some deny their wretchedness. And once again, that will lead to self-righteousness. Once again, if they're truly desirous. Number three, frustration, exasperation, and despair that we mentioned earlier, for some, for some, lead them to a place of surrender. They give up. I can't. I can't do it. It's, I, I tried. I tried. I tried. That's where that's where this this the, the the sin problem, the struggle with sin, that's where it leaves some. Some. I just can't. And they give themselves over to their I don't know, their their vices, or they give themselves over this is just how I am. This is me. God knows, God understands, God accepts me the way I am, and I'm not alone, I'm not the only one. Whatever argument that they can use, they they basically has, have given up 
trying to be free. I just, hey, I can't. And once again, I've seen it. I've seen it. Finally, finally, others simply are not aware. They are simply not aware that there is the better way. They are not aware. They don't know that there's a better way. And so they're trudging along. They're trudging along. They're praying hard. They're reading more. They're coming to church more. They're fasting and they're doing all the things that they are not going to hurt them. Praying is not going to hurt you. Reading your Bible is not going to hurt you. Fasting as the Lord directs is not going to hurt you. Uh, But the more they engage in these activities, they still find themselves in a place of failing. Failing. Sinning. More than they would like. And so that's, that's why I say if they are truly desirous. And once again, this frustration, exasperation, and despair leads to desperation. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. And, and, and many times that can, uh, that revelation can come through prayer. The revelation of the cross can come through reading your Bible. Okay? Reading your Bible. The word of God, when you read it, 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 it'll just it'll just jump out at you. It'll just jump out at you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I, I've read that verse over the years. I've read that verse so many times, so many times, so many times, so many times. And in my brains, let me put it this way. In my brains, I understand what it says. I got it. I know what it means. I know what it means. But I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. Once I came... Once I came into the truth of the, of, of the message of the cross, the word of the cross, keeping my eyes on Jesus, the fact that I've placed my faith in his blood and my faith needs to continue to be there. I read Galatians 2.20 and it has an entirely new meaning. An entirely new meaning. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's telling you how to live the Christian life right there. I live this life by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that's how I live my life. We read a a simple scripture like the just shall live by faith. Okay? What does that mean? What does that mean? Does the just live by faith? Does that scripture mean that as Christians we we ought to have faith? And we can ask God to do whatever it is that we want him to do because we got to have faith that he can make it happen. Well, there's a truth in that. There's a truth in that. But it's referring to how we live the Christian life. The just, us, you, the righteous Christians, we live this life by faith. How? Faith in Christ and his finished work. That's how we live it. That's how we go about living this life. And such a simple statement, it, it gets sort of twisted and it, it doesn't, and, and for many it doesn't have the same meaning. But it's telling you, the verse is telling you in, in plain terms how to live the Christian life by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you by what he did on the cross. And, and so, once again, it, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. Now, when we when we look at 
when we use the definition that we use concerning uh, the wretched man moment, uh, the state of the state of being where you come to the end of yourself. If we use if we use that if we use that as a as a working definition, if we use that as a found as a foundational definition, we see that there were there were several other individuals in the Bible who fit that particular description. Men who came to the end of themselves. It's a place where all of us need to be. You and I need to come to the end of us. We need to die to self. What does it mean to die to self? Die to my own mental capabilities. What I can do. Die to my own things that I can make happen. Die to, die to my own desires. Die to my own will trying to accomplish God's will. My own personal will. I need to die to self. Okay? Except the corner wheat fall to the ground, it cannot, uh, it cannot die unless, it, it cannot uh, live, I, I believe what it says, uh, unless it, it, it abides alone. I'm not getting that right. But it's talking about a death. It's talking about a death. That seed has to go and get buried in the ground in order for it to sprout. We got to be buried. We got to be buried. The Bible says that our life in Colossians chapter 2, that our life is hid with Christ in God. It's all about Him. I can't live the Christian life. You can't do it. You, you cannot do it. You can't do it. It, it. No matter how much you try, you just cannot live the Christian life in your own strength, in your own power, in your own ingenuity, in your own mental intelligence. You just cannot live the Christian life. It cannot be done. And so when we look at the wretched man moment, we see that there are several other individuals in the Bible that also had what we can term as a wretched man moment. We know Isaiah. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter number 6, uh, it was either as he began his ministry, uh, as the Lord was beginning him in his ministry, or as he was restarting his ministry. However it was, uh, time-wise, we see that Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter number 6, he makes this statement, Woe is me! Woe is me! Because I am a man of unclean lips, dwelling in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He recognizes that he is a mess. Uh, realizing that you are a wretched person, miserable, undone, afflicted, and distressed, is saying, woe is me. I'm a mess. You have to recognize that you are not all that you think you are. To put it in plainer terms. Woe is you. Woe is me. Paul didn't utter those words, but I can, I can probably guarantee you that that was the resonance that was going on, at least in his spirit. Woe is me. Don't you hear don't you hear those words woe is me as Paul says oh wretched man that I am woe is me I can't do this and he's crying out for help and once again he looks he finally looks outside of himself when he says who shall who will separate who will deliver me 
from the body of this. Who will? I can't, so someone else will. And then he makes the, the statement, he answers the question in the next verse. Paul answers the question in the very next verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Ah, that's the answer. Jesus Christ brings deliverance. When our faith is totally in him. The Bible says that he always causes us to triumph in him. It's through Christ. Not through self. Not through works. Not through more works. It is through Christ. And once again, it's not, I, we, I, I am person, I'm not abolishing prayer. I'm not abolishing Bible reading. Of course, of course, these things are, these things are essential to the Christian life. But just don't believe that by those things alone, alone by themselves, I'm going to read more, I'm going to study more, I'm going to, I'm going to fast until I can, until I can fit through a, a keyhole. I'm going to fast, 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 and I'm going to be super Christian. No, you won't. No, you won't. You're not going to be super Christian if you do those things. If you do those things, and if you do those things well, you will not be super Christian. No, it's not how it works, man. And so Isaiah, Isaiah, he had a wretched man uh, moment, a wretched man moment. David, David in Psalm 51, can be said to have had. If once again, using our definition, coming to the end of yourself, a spiritual bottom, David had a wretched man. He had several wretched man moments. Several. Okay? Psalm 51. His cry for forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. He's acknowledging his sin. He is, he is acknowledging his own sin. Excuse me. He is acknowledging his own sinfulness. In, in Psalm 38, he is also talking about his own Sinfulness. Psalm 32, he's talking about his own sinfulness. If you are going to have a wretched man moment, you are going to have to come face to face with your own sinfulness. Yes, you did that. Yes, I did that. I said that. We have sin. The sin nature causes us to sin. But once again, if the sin nature is is attacking you, I can use that phrase, if the sin nature is really on your throat, if the sin nature seems to be having its way with you, well, it could be because, it could be because, could be because you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Now, once you come to the truth of the cross, once you come to the truth of the cross, Satan will, because Satan knows that the cross is the way. Okay? Satan knows that the cross is the way. And so when one comes, when, when one receives this revelation, I have to look at it as a revelation. It's not, it, it just doesn't come by knowledge. Because like I said, I read the scriptures, all these scriptures that have to do with the cross. And I, I read them, but it didn't, it didn't click. It never clicked all these years. It never clicked. But when they do click and when you realize this is it, this is the way, it's a, it's, it's a revelation. It's a revelation. And, and Satan realizes that. He realizes when a person has gotten hold of the cross, 
and he will do all he can. He will do all in his limited power to stop you from placing your faith in the cross. You need to go back to reading your Bible. More, 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 more. Pray harder, 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 harder. Take your eyes off Jesus. No, not the blood. He, no, Satan knows that it was the blood that shut him down. Satan knows. Satan knows uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 very well. He knows. And so he doesn't want anyone else to come to this knowledge. And so he will do all he can. Now, having said that, this does not imply, this should not imply that Satan is some free-willing agent out doing whatever he wants, however he feels. No, God still gives him that rope. He gives him that rope. He has him on a leash, but he allows him to try and do. And what does, when Satan does come, when the enemy does come in like a flood, the Spirit of God, as Scripture says, raises up this standard against him. But when you become, when you become, when you realize that your, your, your faith ought to be, should be, needs to be in Christ and his finished work on the cross, when you, when you come uh, to that realization, Satan will come at you. But once again, it is not for you to give up. You have all you need in Christ to stand. To stand. Satan cannot stand. He doesn't have a, quote, leg to stand on. He is on a, he literally is on a leash. He can only get at you so much. You know, sometimes you've seen TV shows or movies or commercials where you see a dog barking and, and, and ferocious dogs. And you can see the saliva coming and they're barking and barking and barking. And it looks terrible. It's scary, but they're on a leash. They, they can't get to you. They can't get to you. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you taunt them. But they can't get to you. Okay, that's the devil. That's the devil. Bark, 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 bark. Oh, oh, I can't. It's, a, it's too much. No, stand. Stand. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking. Okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking. So so David, David definitely, David definitely can be said to have had uh, several wretched man moments. And, and and once again, the wretched man moment is, is a place where, where throughout our Christian life we will have to revisit. The wretched man moment is probably not going to be a one-time thing in your life. It is something that, it's a place that we're going to have to visit over and over again. Unfortunately, because we get sidetracked and we get distracted and we start looking at this and we start doing this and we try start trying to do that. And wait, 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 I'm, no, Jesus, deliver me from the body of this death. I don't want to get caught up in law again. And so the wretched man moment is something that will, that may reappear in a life more than once. More than once. The prodigal son. The prodigal son, when we look at his story, when we when we look at his story and we look at this particular parable, okay, this is this is a parable, uh, but it does teach us several things concerning God. We we look at we look at the prodigal son, we look at this wasteful son, but we all the story is actually about the father who is there at the very end reaching out to the son. But we do see aspects of this son's life when at the very end uh, in Luke chapter 15 and, and verse number 17, Scripture says, Luke says, when he came to himself, he uses that phraseology, when he came to himself, it clicked, okay? He came to a realization. If you are going to, 
if you are going to be released from a wretched man moment, if you are going to come into, let me put it this way, if you're going to come into a wretched man moment, it's got to be a realization. Oh, what? Where am I? What am I doing? What am I doing? And when he realized, he says, I'm out here and, and, and I'm, I'm scraping the bottom and I'm eating pig's food. I'm eating swine food when they are when, when, when they are blessed at my father's house and I'm here. And he says, I will rise. I will get up and go to my father and say that I'm no longer worthy. You see, if you want to be relieved from the wretched man moment, you're going to have to realize where you are. Okay? Take accountability. I'm a mess. I can't do it. I can't be it. I can't live it. And say, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to go. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to go. In our case, we're not going to go to the Father in the sense of what, as the parable said, but we're going to go back to Jesus. I'm going back to Jesus. I'm, I'm going back to where I belong. That's where I belong. Jesus. I got to keep my eyes on him. On him. You see, that's so important. That's so important that we, we're going to have to come to a place of, of realizing and recognizing. And, 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 you know, and remembering. Remembering who you are. Listen, you are a Christian. C-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. You are not. <laughs> you are not a, a me-me-in. Okay? It's a play on words. But you are a Christian. Christ. Christ is our life. You are a Christian. You are not a me-me-in. It's not about you. And how much you do. And how much you can. And how much you will. And how much you are able. And how No. Once again, Galatians 5, Galatians 2 and 20. The life that I now live. Let me go there and read it directly from the source. I'm going to live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Uh, 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 not I. But Christ lives in me. By virtue of what he did on the cross. And the life which I now live, my daily walk, my practical life, I live by the faith of the Son of God. How you live this life? By the faith of the Son of God. Faith in Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's the only way I could be saved. I do not frustrate, verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Anytime we put our faith in what we do, anytime you put your faith in what you do, what you have done, what you want to do, what you're going to do, anytime you do that, you are, in essence, frustrating, and that word frustrate there means setting aside. You are setting aside the grace of God. Not something you want to do. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, 
then Christ is dead in vain. If I could just be righteous just by being a good boy, by keeping the law, by just reading and studying and coming to church eight days a week, if I could just if I could just be righteous that way, then Jesus didn't need to come. He didn't need to come. But he did come. And we place our faith in his blood, as it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 25. And that is how we continue to live this life. By placing our faith in what he did for us on the cross. I pray that something that we've spoken tonight, something spoken tonight, uh, has been of, of value and benefit. Um, where are you tonight? Where are you? Have you had that wretched man moment? Have you? If you have, and, and maybe you've strayed away, put your faith in Christ. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. If you've been struggling, if you've been having a hard time, if the sin nature has been bowling you over, put your faith in Christ. Not in what you do. We're not telling you to don't pray. We're not telling you not to read your Bible. We're not telling you to fast. Once again, those things should not be neglected. But we don't put our faith in the doing of them. We don't try to do them more so that we can be more. We put our faith in Christ and then the Holy Spirit who is in us will be there and he will help us optimally. That's it. That's how it goes. Amen. So Lord, we bless you tonight. We thank you. We thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to once again open up your word. Lord, we pray as we just said that uh, something spoken tonight uh, from your word will be of benefit to your people. Lord, we want to lead them to the cross, Lord Jesus. That is the way. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. God is good. God is good. I did see a few questions, uh, a question or two as I was here. Uh, let me, Frank says, when you talk about the struggle of the law of the mind and the law of sin, means that the mind is good and the flesh is evil. No, the mind, the mind, the mind, the mind is good. But once again, our minds, uh, when, when, as Paul is speaking here, uh, he is talking about uh, when he says, so that my mind, uh, I myself uh, serve the law. Mind can be translated the will. And your will is is, is like is <clears throat> like the trigger, and so yes, your mind your mind is good, and the flesh is definitely that in us that in us which is inclined to do the wrong thing. Okay, the 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 uh, the flesh is definitely inclined to do to do the wrong thing. Man, uh, hope that helps. Amen. So listen, I thank everybody. God bless you, Tracy T. Once again, uh, my brother Thomas. Uh, Ava, Frank, once again, Doris, uh, Dawn, good evening, Brother Mahari, thank you, um, thank you all uh, for, for joining us tonight, thank you for being here, uh, my brother Terrence, uh, God bless you, Tracy T, if I didn't say it, I think I said it again, but God bless you, once again, thank you uh, for being here, Juliana, thank you so much for being here, uh, we just thank you all just for stopping by for a little bit and uh and opening up the word of God. Uh, Veronica Rivas, thank you for being here tonight. Gwen Mitchell, thank you also. Amen. Uh, Bishop Michael Brown, thank you so much also for being here. And Keisha, also. So thank you all for being here. Listen, tomorrow night we're going to be back again. And tomorrow night we'll be here 
for our final night of the week. And tomorrow night we're going to be uh, continuing talking about uh, the discovering uh, the meaning of the cross. In other words, we're going to be talking about what the cross of Christ means to the child of God. Okay? We've, are, we've probably already talked a lot about it here tonight, but tomorrow night we're going to be focusing specifically, specifically uh, on the cross and what the cross means to the child of God. That's tomorrow night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you can join us, we'll be here. If you can catch us on the replay, that's fine also. And so we just bless the Lord and we thank him for giving us another opportunity to open up his word. Where would we be without the word of God? So we honor the Lord uh, and we bless him and we thank him for what he is doing uh, in our midst. If you need more information about who we are, you can go to our website at that's the word.org. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is that's the word ministries. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can go to our that's the word ministry, uh, that's the word ministries Facebook page. Uh, and you become, you can become a part of of what we or what we do. Once again, don't forget to share it if you're watching on Facebook. Let someone else know about that we're here if you're watching us on YouTube. Amen. So we bless the Lord. Thank you for thank you for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow night. God will it will be here eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, talking about the cross. What else? Amen. So thank you for joining us. I'm Michael Jakes. We'll see you then. Have a good night, and God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.